it's been a while since we've done one of these, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's been, what, about two months? So, I guess, I mean, today, what do I want to talk about today? What do we want to talk about, Jeff? The, the word lifestyle, you and I have battered around via Facebook Messenger for a couple of months now. And, the, you know, the idea of a lifestyle product. But I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm really at a loss as to what a lifestyle product is nowadays you know what i think i mean for what it's worth i mean 25 30 years ago a lifestyle when you said lifestyle product that automatically meant bang and olufsen Hmm. and it automatically meant stuff that looked good but didn't necessarily sound great or at least not to the same level of you know what you'd expect from a rack full of separate components like you were it 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 always implied a compromise yeah, do you think that compromise has, has, has been not entirely obliterated, but almost entirely obliterated? You know, I think for all but the most, I mean, again, my highly biased opinion, I think for all but the most demanding um, geeky audiophile, um, I think it's eliminated, if not better. I mean, if you look at a lot of the wireless stuff that we've been seeing, um, mm. a lot of, I mean, even something like powered LS50s. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's a. I, I think what what do a pair of those cost these days? About fifteen hundred bucks, two thousand bucks. No, it's, yeah, it's about two hundred bucks. Uh, sorry, it's twenty two hundred US dollars. Yeah, I mean, where would you get an amp, a preamp, a DAC, cables, streamer, and streamer and speakers for twenty two hundred dollars? You just that, won't. No. you just can't do it. Yeah, yeah, and and I think I guess what I look at it as, I think people like music as much if not more than they ever did they certainly have more opportunities to listen to music in more different ways than we've ever had Hmm. and but but they just don't necessarily want a a rack full of stuff you know Hmm. um for all the reasons you and i have discussed as long as we've been doing this, you know, yeah, that's just, right. I mean, we've touched on this previously, haven't we? Like, especially the, the WLA expert amps, right? Which, which, I mean, for me, even if, even if, let's imagine, say, for, what is it? The, the cheapest one is about five grand. Even if that's not the best sounding integrated amplifier at five grand, it's going to be in the top 95%. But the offset <laughs> in appearance far outweigh any two or 3% compromise you might make on sound quality. Well, not only that, I mean, if, 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 again, are you obsessing about music or are you obsessing about gear? And I think if, if someone loves music, most, most of the people out there don't care about that last 5%. They really Mm. don't. I mean, and, and again, and I get that and there's nothing wrong with that. And so I, I just think all the manufacturers that are starting to build gear in that direction, I think it makes perfect sense. I think it's great. And I mean, I think anybody who buys powered LS, anything from powered LS fifties to, you know, even just something as simple as a BMW Zeppelin, you know, mm. something like that. Um, high end audio, high, high end audio is always going to be 1%. So, you know, mm. there's still going to be some people that will buy those products that might go, you know what? I would like one of those big, giant, crazy two-channel systems in another room or in another place. But um, so know. to bring it, so to bring it back to lifestyle products and to give it some exemplification, 
I mean, could you nominate something that looks really kick-ass and sounds, you know, like in the top 95% of its price category? You know, again, definitely that DVLA. We just got done with the smaller, I believe it was the Expert Pro 140. Mm-hmm. Um, and and honestly, if 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 you don't need to use the phono section of the DVLA, um, it because it does the it it makes everything digital. It does an ADC, so they say it's better because they allow you to fine tune the analog section a little more in the digital domain. Yeah. I say it loses that last 5% of sparkle that you get, you know, you'd, you'd certainly never mistake it for, you know, uh, a cartridge playing through a tube phono stage. It's still very good. And you mm. can, and, and you can kind of um, sidestep a lot of that getting a cartridge more like a, a Grado or a lower end Quetzu or, you know, a, a cartridge that's a little, or even something like a Denon 103 that's a little warmer, a little fatter, Mm. you know i mean i mean for me the poster child of high-end lifestyle gear at the, at the moment is still the divula phantom which is now available as a little mini phantom reactor which i saw for the first time in munich actually not at the show but at ludwig beck that big department store with the um the the crazy vinyl and cd section and oh, that, gotcha. okay. that looks like a kick-ass product now people might complain well this is not the best thing you can buy at that price point no, but it's probably going to be pretty damn close. And for modern music, it's going to be incredible because it's going to have the low end that people who listen to EDM or hip hop will really well, enjoy. any kind of music. I mean, again, dude, it's business 101. Identify the customer. Mm. If your customer is telling you they don't want a rack full of gear and a big loom full of cables, it doesn't matter how good it is. That's not what they want. You know? That's a very good point, actually. Yes, I mean, in in that form and i guess functionality sometimes right ahead of ultimate sound quality which is probably horrific for most audiophiles to hear well i say most i don't want to generalize too much but for the diehard audiophiles who would you know die on the hill of over my dead body will i surrender my tannoy the manufacturers, they're, they're not building it for them no they're know? not that's they're right not making it for that guy <laughs> Well, it's, it's it's so true because these kinds these a lot of these people wade into conversations and start kicking products that are not for like as you say are not for them. Yeah, you know if I'm into I'm trying to think of something wacky that I might be into. Let's say that I'm not into in ear monitors, right? Because they, right. they they don't fit properly, and then somebody comes out with a wacky like like Campfire Audio who make very good looking IMs, and I see that and go, oh, they look awful, blah 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 blah. Well, it's not not for me because I'm never going to buy a pair of IEMs. Right, exactly. Why would, me, why would I ever give my opinion on that? But people want to give their opinion all over the place, including right. you and I, Jeff. <laughs> no, it's true. But it's true. You're absolutely yeah. right. I mean, I I don't I don't care. Well, you know what? My ex mother in law supposedly made the world's best applesauce. She said, "You never eat my applesauce." I said, "I hate applesauce." She said, "But it's the world's best applesauce." And I said, "Well." <laughs> that that may very well be, but even mm. if it is the world's best applesauce, I don't like applesauce. It doesn't mean your applesauce isn't the world's best applesauce. Mm. I just don't want that. And if if people like Bowers and Wilkins and Kef and everybody else who's making this stuff, I think if what, what audiophiles I think should do, as someone who always wants to change your behavior, um, you know, what you the I think the way you should look at it is that 
if companies like Kef and Bowers and Wilkins or Totem, whatever, Dynaudio, the people that are making products like this, mm-hmm. if they're able to engage a new market and they're in, they're able to stay profitable making products like this, that means it's that much longer that they will continue to make diehard audiophile products because they can remain profitable if they because, can't rem- right yeah. because that because that that front foot with the mainstream is is actually um side funding the the, the niche products that they make as well right 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 yeah. and and who's to say that you don't even no matter how much of a diehard audiophile you are um who's to say that you don't need another system somewhere else. I mean, do you really want a Bose table radio um, in your den, in your garage, in your office, in your whatever? I mean, I would rather have a really nice product designed by an audiophile company for that mm. application. Um, you know, sure. Why not? So, what about? So, I mean, we've talked. I think we've touched on this before, and then I think I stopped you on talking about it. What about that Macintosh all-in-one? That's a turntable and a, you know, amplifier DAC streamer. I mean, that got a lot of audio files really bent out of shape. Again, people that would never buy a product like that still again opinion on it, right? (laughs) Right. Again, you know, I mean, I looked at that product at Expona, and I just went, "Wow, I can't believe they were able to do the engineering." to get all to get a phono preamp and a DAC and a streamer and an amp to all work inside that chassis. I mean, I, I thought it was kind of a testament to their engineering chops that they could even yeah. build it. Yep. And you know, and again, I would I would be willing to bet there are a number of diehard, I mean, I think you tell me, I think the world's most dedicated audiophiles are Macintosh people name people and maybe mm. to a little bit lesser extent lin people yes they they seldom go you don't have a lin system with a dcs cd player if you're a lin person it's all lin if you're name or if you're macintosh it's all macintosh so i have to believe they a they have a pretty huge install base of people that are gonna go yeah that's cool i want one um but again it's going to sell to a completely different person mm. and you know, the dealer, you know, again, I used to sell hi-fi retail years ago. I mean, people would come in and say, I don't want that. I don't want that rack full of gear. And you show them that thing and say, well, hey, it's cute. It's cool. It plays records. You can stream music from your phone. All you need to do is buy a pair of speakers. I mean, mm. if, if you're not an audiophile, why wouldn't you want something like that? So f- for the benefit of listeners who don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about the Macintosh MTI 1000 integrated turntable. Yes. So yeah. But yeah, so it's an all-in-one hi-fi system. You add your speakers. It's super easy. Again, I mean, because you've spoken about this before. This is a term I've learned from you, actually. It's the journeyman audio file. I think you have, yeah. a, column. You have a column called that. Yes. On your, on yeah, in the magazine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... It's people who want to go on a journey and tweak this and change that and switch that up in two years. And there are people that just come into the store and go, hey, I just want something for the next five years. Just sell me, you know, and they're not, they're, they might not be as discerning in terms of sound quality. They're just looking for the form and the function first. And then maybe they'll pick up the sound quality bug later. Maybe sure. they would. Maybe they'd be very, very happy with what they've got. 
you know what? If they don't, it honestly, it doesn't matter. You know, it really doesn't. I mean, this is, it's the dilemma, you know, mm. it's um, why would you, why would you go to someone's home and comment on their taste in anything? It's like, if, if you're a guest, you're a guest. So, you know, if somebody has that and they mm. love music, you talk about music. Who wants mm. to sit and argue about cable anyway, right? Well, I guess also that the, the really good looking stuff, like, for example, right now, I'm looking at a rack of gear. I've got a, a Hegel CD player, a Hegel amp, and a DCS, finally arrived, DCS um, DAC headphone amplifier. And they're all black boxes, and they're all kind of boring. And if my friends come over, they'll take no interest. But they will look at the speakers. I've got the Denso 10 Fujitsu, like the egg-shaped single driver speakers. Right. I can't remember the model name because it's some crazy like TD, blah, 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 blah. But they will be super interested in those because of the way that they look. And this is this has been a bit, a bit of a trip I've been on recently is that looks really matter. Like, for example, those um, oh, I've had a, a Concept 300 from oh, I've had a complete oh, Q Acoustics. Almost had a brain blank there. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah with the, the tripod tensegrity stand, like I think they're the, probably the best looking stand mount speaker stand combination I've ever seen. Some people on YouTube aren't as convinced as I am, but I still think they are great for people as a, would you call that a lifestyle product? I guess you would. Think about this. Okay. In the last, let's say 10, 15 years, all the media that we're drenched with mm. has become much richer. I mean, watch a TV show from 20 years ago. Look at how how boring the camera work is. Look at how, for the most part, yeah. look at how pedestrian the lighting is. Mm -hmm. And and now we're watching so much more stuff that is so much more rich visually mm -hmm. and much more rich design-wise and taste-wise. And we have this whole group of people on the internet that are influencers and all of this stuff. And that has become, I think, I think design on the whole has been pushed more to the forefront of our life. We're more design conscious than we ever were before. So why wouldn't you want, I mean, on, on one level, and I know this is oversimplifying, but on one level, your music system is an appliance. It's an appliance that Absolutely, plays. Absolutely. Yeah. So why wouldn't, why wouldn't every, you know what, everybody think about it. Everybody curates everything now, right? You know, and in the past, people used to curate museums. Now, everybody curates everything down to whatever, right? Mm. So everybody lives in a more curated environment. That being said, I think people don't want things in their environment that don't add to their environment from a visual standpoint. Right. So, well, I guess it's, I mean, you've made an absolutely brilliant point there, Jeff. I agree. And I'd never thought of it that, that way before that the design of products has become better and we've become more attuned to that design because we have more options now. I mean, maybe 30 years ago when you wanted to buy a vacuum cleaner, here's a good example, a vacuum cleaner, right? right. Pretty pedestrian. But now when Dyson, well, James Dyson came along, he changed exactly. that, that market upside down. And now as a design conscious consumer, I mean, I bought a Dyson because I like the look of it because it has to sit in my hallway, right? So I have to look at it every right. day. And speakers, let's make sense electronics. So speakers for me are furniture that makes music. So I look right. at the damn things. So I love the things that look really cool. I think I'm sure. really thoroughly there's drawn. No sh there's no shame in that, dude. No, no I'm, not, 
I'm owning it. I'm owning. I'm going to be owning it more this year than ever before. You know, like have you seen those Cabas Pearl loudspeakers? They're yes. a, they're actives. They're they're a bit like a Divya Phantom, aren't they? But they're probably right. They're a bit probably a bit more refined in their sound. I'm guessing. I don't know. They are. Yeah, they are. Right. But they look cool, and they're that sort of like a spherical ball that sits on a stand. A wonderful piece of industrial design, and very interesting. And I think that would wow people if they came into your home because people like that, don't they? You like it when somebody comes to your house and says, "Hey, Jeff, I really like your car," or you know that I don't know hat stand. Do you have a hat stand in your house? Probably not. <laughs> no, but I have. A, but I have a purple Dyson vacuum cleaner. <laughs> <That's laughs> but you're See? right. Yeah, but I guess you're right. The internet has allowed people like you and I and others. To, to really kind of go down the rabbit hole of what's the best looking this I can buy or what's the most attractive that? Because, you know, you can buy, I don't know, probably 50,000 different versions of a, I don't know, a coffee maker, but there may only be like three or four that really speak to you aesthetically. I don't know, again, I'm guessing, but I'm... Agreed. No, agreed. Mm. I mean, I have, a, I have a KitchenAid blender, you know, mm. it's just classic design. I mean, mm. it's... And there's... But again, the problem we always face in audiophile world mm. is that this is no disrespect to the guy or girl that just wants a rack full of audio research gear, and and that's what they want. That's that's cool too. It it doesn't it doesn't mean your choice is less than. Mm. It just means that there's a di- there are different planets orbiting around your planet. And so, yeah, that's so all it is. What you're talking about then is more diversity. We're seeing more diversity in products. So it's no longer just two passive speakers, amplifier, CD player, turntable. It's speakers in all kind of wacky forms and sometimes they house the electronics and sometimes they don't, right? We're just seeing more and more difference. The, do you, would you agree with that or no? Yes, and I think I think where the diehard audiophiles can really take credit mm-hmm. is that again, 10, 20 years ago, you had gear that sounded great and you had gear that looked kind of cool. It was very rare that those those orbits intersected. Now mm-hmm. you have a lot of a lot, as you know, just like I do, I mean, there's a lot of great looking gear that does really sound good too. And I think that's a win for everybody. Here's right? a good example, right? And you'll, you'll, I think you'll dig this. The Riga Planar 8 turntable, which was the, the what was it called? The RP8 before? And I've tweaked right. it a little bit, but that thing looks amazing. I want one. Yes. I've got no idea how good yeah. it sounds. But I'm sure it's going to sound great. I mean, it's a Riga. Yeah. So how bad yeah. could it be? And, but exactly. It, that's, a, that's, a, that's a probably, for me, the best collision of design and, I don't know, um, engineering. I mean, I'm sure there'll be turntable audio files listening going, no, it's not. It's blah, 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 blah. But for me, it is. <laughs> well, mean, yeah. yeah. And I mean, you know, back in the, back in, again, back in the early 80s, mm. turntables all looked like a Lin, you know? Mm. And then the Oracle came out. And the Oracle had this really funky, really high tech, really, you know, piece of turnta- turntable as piece of fine art that just happened to be very functional as well. What's the and, article, Jeff? I don't know what this is. Sorry. Oh, look, look it up. Sometimes. They're made in Canada. Mm-hmm. And um, the they're still around. They still make great turntables. I think the Oracle is at a version six or seven now. Mm-hmm. But when the Oracle hit the world in, I think, I think it was around 80, 81, 82, mm-hmm. you know, it was really a game changer because not only did it sound fantastic, but it, it didn't really look like what you expected a turntable to look like anymore. The the early transcriptors from England back in oh, the late okay. 70s was kind of like that too. 
you know? Um, so, you know, I mean, it's, I, I just think that we live in a more design conscious world. We live in a more, whether we live in a more design conscious world or not, we definitely live in a more visually stimulating world. I mean, look at look at the stores you go into. I mean, mm. stores are much more stylized than they used to be even 10 years ago. Well, they're experiences yeah. now, aren't they? They're retail experiences. They're no longer just stores, yes. you know? You have yes. to be taken on a journey. And I, get, I think that's important, actually, because you're being told a story, even if it's just a visual story. I think that's quite interesting, the way that that works, psychologically speaking. And I think that's, that's probably why the Dyson works for you and I, or why... I don't know, like the Riga turntable works for me. Have you seen the stuff made by um, Costas Metaxas? Metaxas. Oh, yeah. Have right? you ever talked to him? Yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah, he's a great guy, yeah. But his stuff looks incredible. And I guess what I like about what he's doing is he's really pushing the form of what a speaker might be or an amplifier might be or that, what's that, Memento Mori headphone amplifier that looks like a skull? Yes, and you can put your headphones on it, which I think is genius. It's just the, one of the best things ever. I, I'm sure there are many better sounding headphone amplifiers out there, but as a piece, you of know, I've heard it. It's pretty good. I'm I mean, sure I it's great. It's good. But I can I can see it in the right house, yeah, where, you know, on a pedestal with some cool lights on it, and I it would be a piece of art. Absolutely, you know? that's it. I mean, it's so, where it's where. I guess the, the art comes into it. That's what I like. That's what I'm really being, I find myself being drawn to. Guess, guess who has a very big box coming from Sonus Faber on Thursday and can't wait, you know? I Probably mean, you, Jeff. Yeah. yeah, it's, you know, that's mm. still, again, in all the years I've done this, I have never had a person, male or female, come into my house and look at a pair of Sonus Fabers and not say, I would love to have those. Do you know, I think I might be the only person on the planet then who doesn't really, really love well, what they look like. Maybe. I'm not, I'm not, well, I'm not a see, huge fan. But this is it. Like, it's, it's, this is a diversity thing, isn't it? There are yeah. options for everybody, and it's not just plain. I mean, I think it's great. There's so much. There's so many things to choose from. Mm. You know, I mean, again, all these internet guys and forum guys and Facebook guys that are going, oh, you know, there's no good gear and it's all too expensive. I mean... Again, there's so much exciting stuff yeah. at very reasonable levels. I mean, there was there was nothing like a pair of powered Kef LS50s or a pair of Totem Kin Plays or a pair of Dynaudio Zeos. There was nothing like that 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean even since, I mean, I only started reviewing in 2010 and things have really moved on. And I, I think in the last two or three years, things have improved dramatically in terms yes. of the way that products are being designed to fit with people's lives rather than asking customers to fit their lives around the product, which I think, like you say, like Dynaudio, Kef, Elac, all these companies, especially in the active speaker domain, are making kick-ass stuff, Divulet, and then I'm sure there's others that I've forgotten, but are really making... The new Bowers and, these new Bowers <clears throat> and Wilkin course, the yeah. formation. Right, right. Yeah, I've only, I mean, the only one that really interests me there is the stand mount speaker. The rest of it is all a bit, uh, it's a bit soundbar for my taste. I'm not really, I don't do soundbars or things like that. I yeah, me either. But I, I did, so I could talk to you this morning. Mm. I did unbox the formations last night and, you know, even just fresh out of the box, I'm sure they're going to have to play for a little while like you would any good speaker. Mm. But even fresh out of the box, they're nice. That's a, that's a really nice solution. And again, to your point at the beginning of our podcast, um, 
it's it's not a thousand dollar solution they're four thousand dollars a pair mm. it's the speaker itself is from what i understand from all the the white paper stuff it's kind of a combination of a similar woofer to what's in the 800 series to a tweeter that's similar to what came from the 700 series mm. built built in 2496 dac i think it's 125 150 watts a channel i mean wow it, they look beautiful um five minutes you're set up and rocking it's it's a rune endpoint so i mean in five minutes these things were playing they were punched into our rune ecosystem mm. and we're, we're playing music in the back room in the house and there's you know, i think this is a very good example of a product that even though it's coming from a a company that has served what we might call diehard audiophiles for many years isn't really aimed at them and not just because it's an active speaker, but because of two things. The first reason is that it sits at the top of a, a whole ecosystem of products that most audiophiles, including me, wouldn't touch. Like it's like it's almost like a bunch of Sonos type gear, and then this active stand mount loudspeaker, right? So it's the the jewel in that crown. So it, I think it's designed to slowly step people up. <clears throat> excuse me, from a a very small speaker to a bigger one. But the second thing that I think is going to put off diehard audiophiles and the second point where they should realize it's not for them is that it tops out at 2496. Now, I don't care because most of my right. music is red book CDs. I'm sure you're the same. Me too. Yep, but me there too. will be endless bitching and whinging on forums and on Facebook about how they don't do 24192 or DSD or MQA or whatever. But this is a great example of how this product is not for those people even though it comes from a manufacturer that has served those people for many years. I mean, I think that's because of the buyout by, ah, the name of the company. I've forgotten it already. Damn. You know, they was bought out by that right. streaming company. I yeah. I can't remember it either. Yeah. yeah. So that, I mean, it's a vehicle for the streaming companies board and platform, which I think is, you know, kind of cool. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what you think of them. I can't imagine there'll be a dud at all. I just, I just don't see it. No, no. I mean, as good as they sound fresh out of the box. And the other thing that Bowers and Wilkins did with this that I think is really cool too. Mm. They made kind of a bridge box um, mm. that you can put it, you can put a, if you have a passive system in the rest of your house somewhere or in your environment, let's say you're a diehard analog guy and you've got a rack and a turntable and you have no streaming capability. You can easily add this, but then you can also, you could plug the, say the, you could plug the uh, analog in this to your high-end phono pre and you could stream vinyl all over your house, which I don't know. I think that's pretty cool. I think you it's know? pretty cool. Again, diehard turntablists won't agree, but again, it's not for them. <laughs> right. I think this, yeah, is, this, yeah, is, yeah. this is the message, isn't it? Really? Like, I mean, when I think when we hear people go, well, that's a lifestyle product. What they're actually saying is that's not for me, but I wish they would stop there and not comment any further. Well, well, and you know what? Nobody's saying, I mean, it would be one thing if they, the audio police said, as of January 1, you have to turn in your rack, your rack of power amplifiers, <laughs> and this is all you can have. Yeah. I could see them being mad then. But I, I always see these things as an addition to instead of a, instead of. 
So if we get more people excited about hi-fi, if more people can enjoy their music, what's wrong with that? I mean, and, and again, there's so many people out there. Think of how fussy a lot of high-end audio is. I mean, a lot yeah. of high-end audio, you know, because big speakers require a big room and they require a specific placement mm. in the room. This has got DSP built in. It's like, bam, you know, you can kind of throw them where they need to go and still be able to get really good sound. I mean, and there's there's a lot of people over there in Europe and in the UK and in, you know, in Japan, even mm. in bigger cities here in the US. A lot of people don't have a 24 by 30 foot room no, they to don't. put a hi-fi in. Yeah. You know, a lot of people live in, in efficiency or one room, two room apartments. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very, I mean, it's a very good point, and especially when you have neighbors close by as well. Right. You can't, you can't right. crank it. So you also need, right. I mean, this is actually, this is something that doesn't get discussed enough. I'm sorry, this is a bit of a tangent. Is, Go ahead. Is, is loudspeakers that play well and sound full at low volumes. So you don't have to crank it to enjoy it. And I think this is a very rare quality in loudspeakers. Clips nail it. I'm trying to think who else are really good at this, but you know, I think all the Harbeth stuff sounds pretty good at low volume. I mean, I always think that's the that's mm. really the that's to me that's a real parameter. I mean, my Focal Sopra sounded great mm. quiet. Um, I think a lot of that is, you know, inherent in the design. But I mean, and in the old days, that's what we ha we had the um, the loudness button for, you know, to goose the bass up a little bit because I mean, you're mm. you're naturally your ear naturally loses sensitivity to bass at low volume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, my my dad's Sansui um, integrated amplifier had the loudness button. I think I used yeah. to I used to put it on no matter how loud I was playing it. Exactly, <laughs> because I no, was a you know as a heathen as a teenager had no idea. Um, yeah, there you go. Shall we switch things up? Or do you want to talk about Expona and I'll talk about Munich, or do we want to talk about both those things? Or I mean, I went to Expona for the first time this year. It's something I mm -hmm. you know either was too busy. Because Munich was always on the horizon. So mm -hmm. this year I decided I was taking a break from Munich and I would just go to Expona. And, you know, that is a fantastic show. I mean, for anybody who hasn't gone to Expona, uh, that by far is the most comprehensive show going on in America. I mean, it's it's big. It's spread out. I think mm. I think they had a I think they had 170 or 180 rooms. Um, you didn't lose a lot of time on elevators getting from here to there to here to there. Mm -hmm. The facility was excellent. Um, you know, it really was, I would, I would go as far as to call it Munich light. I mean, it's, it's a lot of, a lot of what you, a lot of the vibe you get from Munich was available at this show. And I, I was really, one of the most exciting things for me at Expona, I was impressed with how many people we're getting really, really good sound in their rooms. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, so again, people coming in off the street that aren't audiophile people, if perhaps this is their first exposure to our world, I think a lot of people walked away from that show with a smile on their face going, oh, okay, that's what all the fuss is about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Where a lot of the smaller shows and I mean, even Rocky Mountain from year to year is very sporadic in terms of how good is the sound everywhere. Mm -hmm. So um, it, 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 it had enough room for people to stretch out a little bit more. So, it, I mean, just like Munich. I mean, Munich Munich is, is obviously the pinnacle, 
but um, th this is pretty darn good. I mean, if you what what Expona really lacked that Munich has is a lot of the smaller European companies and a few of the smaller Asian companies that you know Munich is as far as they want to go. They don't want to go all the way to America. Mm -hmm. um, but it was, I mean, and they were they were promoting it on you know, on the news, in the paper, on television. I mean, they did the same kind of thing that Munich does where they, they really made an effort to promote the show. So I think it, you know, it was, if I could only attend one show a year in the United States, Expona by far would be the only show I'd bother with. Hmm. I think it's interesting what you say about its proximity to Munich. And obviously that influenced your decision not to go to Munich because Expona is so close. And that's the very reason I've never been to Expona myself is because um, I always think about going and then I look at it and go, oh, it's like four weeks before Munich. I can't, exactly. I can't spare the time. And this is something, you know, like you get, I get a lot of manufacturers asking me because they only see me at shows. Like when's your next show? And when's this? And I have to explain to them. Like if I go to a, go to an event, I go to an audio show, it's two weeks out of my schedule. Minimum, right, right, and, right, and that's exactly. a lot of time. That's that's two weeks that I could probably knock over one and a half video reviews now, not quite two. Sure, and that's that's valuable time. So I'm really, you know, picking and choosing my shows carefully, and I just have, obviously I have to go to Munich. It's also interesting what you say about those smaller companies that you know go to Munich but don't go to USA, and I think this is the big difference between, say, I'm guessing you can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, the difference between Exponent and Munich is that people go to Munich to meet distributors or potential distributors and to write wholesale business. Whereas I don't see Exponent as doing so much of that. I mean, right. You're right. You're right. And, and that's honestly, that's what CES used to be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, CES used to be more of that kind of show where you went, if you were a dealer, you went to find new lines to pick up. Right. You know, or if you were a distributor, you went to find new dealers or, you know, that kind of thing. And no, Expona is definitely a consumer show mm. through and through. Yeah, but Yes, um, Munich is B2B and B2C. It's a bit of, well, I said it's a bit of both. I would suggest that for some companies, I remember, I, hearing, I remember hearing about one company who I will not name, who once, I think three years ago, booked a room at Munich, but then closed it off. So they held, they held meetings for two days with their distributors around the world, then shut the doors, locked it, and went home, leaving it empty for the remaining two days. Um, they were told they couldn't do that anymore because obviously they have to show to the public as well as conduct. Interesting. No, I missed that. Business. I don't but even remember. That, I think that about. speaks to the, to the level of wholesale business that goes on behind closed doors in Munich, because a lot of these companies, they'll have their showroom to talk to consumers, but next door or maybe down the hall and more and more of this right. is happening, right. they have that meeting room, right? And there were loads right. of meeting rooms this year, the most I've ever seen. So it, this really is a, a bit of a hybrid show and I really dig it for that. Um, because, and I don't know how you feel about this, I, but I, I just can't, get a handle on sound quality of any given component at a show. And I no, not really. I mean, not, not critically. Not I mean, and a lot of these guys, I mean, and a lot of these guys really knock themselves out and they really do. They do. I'm not denying in, that, but yeah, in the, in the context of what they're faced with, I mean, I always look at a trade show mm. or a show as kind of a hostile environment, right? You know, so the fact that 
the fact that they can just get their stuff there, mm. it didn't get destroyed in shipping or handling. And in a day, they were able to set up and make decent sound. I mean, I think that's fantastic. I mean, it's, I mean, I've, but, but I always look at a show like that. If I were a consumer and I weren't a reviewer, I would look at a show like that as, okay, I just want to see this stuff and touch it and ask a few questions and find out where to go to get it. it I wouldn't. I, I agree yeah. a billion percent. So here's a, here's the most controversial question about audio shows. That I'm there's rattling around my brain. I have no answer for why, where is the value in setting up the gear and playing music? So who, who who does it benefit? You got to think about this because if we, you know that's a good question. right, uh, it benefit, well again, which which leads to the question, which I'm sure everybody will be super pissed. <laughs> to me, the whole idea of doing a best sound at show thing is bullshit. I agree. Because I've done it, but my the, I've done it myself in the past, and somebody pulled me aside one year and said, "Look, John." What are you doing? And I went, yeah, you're right. Absolutely, you're right. It's bullshit. It is. Best in show. Bullshit. There we are. Best bullshit in show. <laughs> well, I mean, again, and I and I only mean that in the context that all of these guys, I had a reader call me one time and he said, well, you know, I went to Rocky Mountain and I heard so-and-so stuff and it sounded terrible. And I said, well, okay, how long did it take you to get your system really dialed into where you love the sound yeah. oh six months yeah right i said okay i said okay now pack all your stuff in a box ship it off to a, a, a strange place and you've got one day to make it sound awesome and he goes well i couldn't do that yeah. and i said well okay but you want all these guys to do that and and again i think it's just about it's i think it's having the stuff set up in a show and playing is just to give you a taste it's just to give you a taste. I mean, you can you can walk into whoever's room and go, yeah, okay, that's kind of intriguing. And and I I look at it going, if it sounds at least decent mm -hmm. at a show, it's probably going to sound even better at a dealer, and it's probably going to sound even better in my environment, optimized to my environment. So I I'm not kicking anybody's butt for not getting. A hundred percent at a show. No, no, you know? neither, neither would I. I mean, I've effectively stopped listening because as you just said, it's a great place to go and ask questions and to touch stuff and to put your hands on things and have a conversation. And often, and especially, well, I can't think of a show where this doesn't happen. Often those conversations clash with people's desire to listen to the music being played in the room. So again, you've, oh, you've yeah. got this, and, uh, this, this dual, this duality going on, which is never, not really very easily resolved. So uh, this it leads me again to ask the question: Who to whom does it? Sorry, who does it benefit to have music playing and a system set up? I I don't see it. I've yet to be convinced as to why a system needs to be set up apart from play acting. You know, like here's my hi-fi system. Well, but again, I mean, there's there's I mean, again, it's it's I I can't define things in terms of my needs. I mean, there are a lot of people that say, "Hey, wow, I heard blah at." The blah 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 show and it was really awesome so i went to the dealer and i think if it if it accomplished that purpose then that's great you know i mean but it's not the it's show sound is certainly not the be all and end all for me no, and do you know what i would like to see you know, what i'd like to see right so my my big my biggest beef with shows is that they, they tend to be at, at hotels on the edge of the city 
Right. And they're in hotels because people want to set up hi-fi systems and play music. But if you take away that idea of setting up a hi-fi system in a hotel and just say, well, okay, we're going to have a convention for hi-fi gear and we're just going to like have people stood behind static displays talking with customers and things like that, you can then move your convention to any, well, a, a much broader range of possible locations and possibly reach a much broader audience and make it look less like that kind of wacky bunch of weirdos on the edge of town, which it definitely does at some of the shows here in Germany. Well, and that's, I think, I think to that point, that's a lot of more of kind of what Cedia does yes. here. Yes, yes, you yes. Know? Which is, I've, I mean, I've never been, but it fascinates me. And what I like about that is that I think that, I think maybe you've been, I don't know, but the message is, is if you want to hear this, Go to your dealer. Here's your dealer, right? So the the show like that, like a proper – it's not really a show. It's a convention. The convention acts as a seed for the dealer, which then helps the dealer out. So because dealers are struggling, everybody knows that, right? right? So the show helps the dealer who then helps the customer. So it it keeps – it maintains that chain. I mean, obviously, it's not not as effective for people who sell direct, but I don't know whether they're the minority or not, but they're not going to a show like that anyway. And, and then, then, I mean, one of the nicest things about Cedia is that it's always in town so that there's other stuff to do besides just go to the damn show. Right. But it, but it it also feels like a proper convention from, from, I'm only saying, yeah, seeing that, sorry, I'm only saying this from the pictures and video I've seen, but I think it makes it look more grown up. Less wacky, less less strange, and more and more normalized. I mean, this is what goes on at IFA here in Berlin every end of end, every August. You know, there's this massive convention for consumer electronics that runs the gamut from clock radios to dishwashers, and Hi-Fi is a part of that. But most of the displays are they're not sealed rooms; they're statics, and sometimes people are playing music obnoxiously loud, and everyone's battling. But it feels like an exciting, normal environment and it's a bit like when you go into a best buy that's got a magnolia store you know your right. blade two right. is next to a, a dyson vacuum cleaner so again they're normalized and i think that what proper conventions could possibly do for the audiophile world is normalize gear that up until this point looks kind of wacky and is always out on the edge of town in a hotel anyway i think i've, 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 no, I, I've made my point well <laughs> When when we run the world, things will be different. Right. I'm sorry. I've I, I, I probably said this before on a podcast. I'm probably repeating myself, but I, you know, and, I, and that's what I like about Munich is it actually it straddles both worlds. It allows for listening rooms and for static displays, and I guess exhibitors. Well, I won't say they can choose because it's probably booked out every year, but it feels like a proper adult grown up normal person convention even though it's full of some of the wackiest most expensive audio gear on the planet it's still yeah, it's sure. st- it still actually kind of feels kind of normal and it's not full of i hate to say it it's not full of socks and sandals <laughs> yeah i mean it's again the reason i don't criticize it more all more harshly is because I don't have a better idea yet. Well, this, that's, know, so that's right. You have to have a better idea. And I hope that yeah. in my last little rant bit that I just explained what my better idea was. I'm not kicking a show and saying this is terrible. I'm saying here's how it could be done differently. Now, obviously, I don't run shows. I mean, it's a bit like me saying, oh, I could make a, I could make a speaker like that for half the money. No, I couldn't. Right. <laughs> so right. I, exactly. I realized that I could be sounding a little bit like that, like a like an internet dickhead, but 
I don't want to sound like that. But anyway, it's just an idea. It's something to think about. You know, why do we listen? Well, yeah, why do we listen to music at shows? For what purpose? I think it's a very valid question that needs to be asked. Um, and I, yeah. not- and I, I mean, again, I'm with you. I, I usually don't, you know, mm. because I mean, a lot of times I will go in a room and, you know, they say, oh, here, take the front seat. I'm like, no, no, give the seat to somebody that's that's paying to be here. You know, I'm just the press guy. I can I can talk to you anytime. Yeah. I'm, right. I'm not going to do that. Oh, hi-fi reviewer here. Clear the room. You know, no, no, I don't. I, uh, I don't bother with any of that. You know, it's no. It's um, I think that's, that's a know. very. But I think it's a very like audio shows have, have seemed to have retained many of those outmoded practices. Well, what what I would like to find, mm. if I could change the shows in any way possible. Mm. Again, I'm always thinking about the people that are new to our world. Right. Okay, so. You know, if somebody just stumbles into our world, how do we give them a really, really good helping of what good sound is? Mm. I mean, how do we, you know, how do we do that? Or, you know, I mean, do you set it up where, you know, there's five or six rooms that are just like the big rooms at Rocky Mountain, Mm. you know, where you have those those five or six rooms that, hey, that's where you can go to really get a a glimpse of what great sound sounds Mm. like. you know, um, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but I, I, I wish there was a better way to put high-end audio in front, at least make it an opportunity for those who aren't part of our world mm. to, to get a taste of what we're all excited about. Well, I think, so, yeah. I mean, a lot of, I won't say all, but a lot of newcomers um, tend to attend shows to listen to headphones because generally they offer right. better sound for, for less money, generally. Right. Um, well, and you can put the headphones on your head, and you're getting the same experience yeah, right. as you would. Yeah, anyway. I mean, it's 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 probably closer to to the home experience or to the out on a bus experience or whatever. It's closer to the real world experience than listening in the hotel right. room, which I, I think is really cool. One of the uh, actually, um, I've got a couple of morsels of gossip for you, Jeff. So the the okay. first piece is that, from what I understand, Can Jam will not be part of Rocky Mountain this year. I heard that too. Right. So I don't think that's a secret. Um, I don't know what uh, Ethan and Jude are planning otherwise, but um, that will certainly have me questioning the value in me traveling all the way to Denver, even though it's look, a very exciting new location. And I would love to see the Gaylord Hotel, even though I have to laugh. My, the, the inner child in me laughs every time I say Gaylord. But I would, I would <laughs> it really does. It's like it, it, your, your inner Beavis it, laughs. It really, it, like, it, I'm sorry, but I know in America, Gaylord is a normal term or word or name. But in the UK, okay. in the UK, a Gaylord is what you called your your class buddy who you just wanted to hang shit on, right? That was oh, a, primary, okay. a, prim, a junior school insult is what it was. Oh, you big Gaylord. Oh, oh, right. okay. So when I... Oh, so, interesting. <laughs> okay. I love when it. I heard that, I was like, oh, this is great. Anyway, so I want to go to the Gaylord Hotel. But yeah, with Canjam not being there, it tends to kind of... Not, I won't say it halves the appeal, but it you know lops off a good portion of the appeal for me because I do like to cover headphones and talk to headphone manufacturers. So, and the DAC and the headphone amps that come along with that. So that was the first sort of fluttering of gossip that went around the Munich halls a couple of weeks ago. The second one relates, uh, I mean, I have no confirmed source for this other than somebody in a, in a position to know 
told me that this this Amazon higher ed streaming service is likely to go ahead at some point soon. Now, <laughs> I realize I'm just wow. I'm just, I don't know anything about right. That. Well, this was this is on the back of a a Music Business Week article that ran about a month ago, uh, saying that Amazon were looking into this and blah blah blah, and then a whole bunch of articles sprouted from that article. So citing the Music Business Week as, as the source. So really there's only one source on that. But I did hear from somebody else who's probably got more of an inside tip on the whole thing that this Amazon service is likely to go ahead, a higher res streaming service. No idea if it's going to be MQA powered or not. Um, who knows what will happen? But I think that's, I mean, I think that's awesome, actually, because Amazon have the muscle, they have the market reach. They already have a lossy streaming service. And what makes me more convinced that they will do this is that you, you remember like about six months ago, and I think they only started shipping two months ago, they introduced the, is it the Echo Amp and the Echo Link for the streamer and the streaming amplifier? Like, right. why, why would they, that's right. a, I thought that was a really weird move at the time. But when you look at that and then you see, oh, there's rumors of a streaming, higher streaming service coming, you think, oh, that makes more sense. You know, they're, they're talking about, better sound quality in the home over here with the hardware. So they need the streaming service to tie in with that. And maybe they'll use it to sell more hardware as Apple do and Spotify don't. Who knows? But uh, Well, and let's, let's take that conspiracy theory a step further. That's why I'm sh- I would be willing to, to speculate that that's why Bowers and Wilkins cap the cap, what they're doing at 96 you know, twenty four ninety six. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, because if, yeah. if if Spotify doesn't, if 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 Amazon doesn't go there, Apple will go there, and they'll probably, in typical good enough fashion, they'll just give us twenty four ninety six and nothing better. Right. Well, the library's small still, anyway. So it's kind of a for me, it's right. a moot point. But for other people, you know, me being empathetic to other people's interests and concerns, I understand why they would take an interest in that. But I think, I mean, this yeah. that was a kind of a fairly, I call it a juicy rumor. Again, I must emphasize this is a rumor. This is not news. This is just the kind of the intra-journalist chatter that was going on throughout the weekend. But I thought it was interesting, you know, like I thought, you know, the the idea of I, Amazon streaming in high res is cool. Well, I guess what I'm concerned about with that is what will that do to all the hard work that the people at Title and Cobas have done? Well, yes. I mean, yes. You have to ask the question, like, what will happen to you know, them? They did all the they did all the hard work, and um, well, in the in know. the audio file space, yes. I don't I don't know how much. Well, probably I think Tidal have a bigger subscriber base, quite a bit, some bigger bigger subscriber base than Cobos. Um, and you're right; they have done a lot of work, hard work to push that sound quality matters message in the streaming space. But I guess Amazon will could just instantly overnight dwarf them both. Literally, just flip a switch. Done. Yeah, and I really, and honestly, selfishly speaking, I hope we don't lose the Rune infrastructure in that right. because that is such a nice way to tie everything together. I hope we don't lose anything again so, about you know diversity. Yeah, and I hope that you know. But again, this is we 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 must reemphasize this is pure speculation on our part, Jeff, and we're just sort of yes. we're just shooting this shit right. So yes, you know, it's just I, I would you know for high res to become a proper long-term concern or of proper mainstream interest or to be viable commercially in the long run, there needs to be an Apple or an Amazon getting behind it. It has to happen. Otherwise, 
eventually some of these these services may just fall away of their own accord. I mean, Cobra's had financial problems a few years ago. I, I, who knows what will happen with Tidal if Jay-Z wakes up in a bad mood one day and just sells the lot to Samsung or somebody like that. He may do that. You right. never know. Right. So it's it doesn't right. ever feel like there's a certain level of stability in the high-res streaming sector as there is in you know Lossy with Spotify and Apple, where you think there's no way that's ever going to go away. But so, sorry to read, so to sort of double down on what I just said, it, the world needs a big streaming service with high risk. Um, well, uh, and that's why, you know, I hate to say it, but at, at the end of the day, that's why I still, when everything hits the fan, you know, I still have a few thousand albums that I really love and a couple thousand CDs that I really mm-hmm. love. You know, I mean, I love having access to so much music, but you know what? If it all went away tomorrow, I've got enough music to listen to. I mean, it's... it's Yeah, uh, but I think the big... I mean, I know people like to talk about high-res, 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 but I think what... For me, the benefit that's come along with Tidal and Cobras is not the high-res. It's the CD quality streaming. So obviously, if Amazon go high-res, they're not going to just go high-res. They'll pull out the CD quality tier as well. And that will be that that will be have a very large catalogue. It must be in excess of fifty million songs by now. So that's yeah. for me where the real the real meat in that meal is, um, and I yes. think that's cool. Yeah. <clears throat> because excuse me, I would hate, I would really hate to see CD quality streaming disappear. I would be throwing throwing yeah. my teddy bear from the pram if that happened. High res, I can, you know, but the CD quality, yeah, that that yeah that teddy bear is going for a long walk. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Well, you know, all the reason why I haven't I haven't thrown out my CD player. So Well, I just I just got back into CDs actually. I bought a couple of thousand of the damn things recently, very cheap. Crazy cheap. Like it just super just insane. So I've got I've got yep. a little library here, so if anything does happen like you, I've got my own little backup. Not that I didn't have rip rips anyway, yep. but I mean all my other CDs are in Australia. So yeah, you're right. I think you need to sort of spread the risk by having some physical formats around. Yep. Yep. I, well, and you know, some days it's just, I don't know about you, but every once in a while here, title and Cobas just don't work or your internet providers down for a couple of, you know, for an hour or for 20 minutes or whatever. And, you know, there's, there's days that it's just nice to put a CD in and push play. You know, you know? I, I don't ever have outages, but every morning when I get up now, I always play a CD first. The rest of the day is, Rune streaming and Rune Radio and Cobras and Tidal and my own hard drive, but I always start the day now with one CD over coffee. It just seems like a nice go. little ritual I've got going, which is great. You know, I like it. <clears throat> I like it. I mean, and, and again, I mean, and on the other hand, with now that Rune Radio accesses everything, um, I've been finding so much fun music that I didn't know about. That you know, you know? I know people you know, really wanted to get excited, rightly so, get excited about Cobras being added to the Rune ecosystem. But for me, the big story in that last Rune release was, as you know, you just said, was the Rune radio being able to swim out into Tidal and also into Cobras as well. I, For me, that is just the biggest streaming integration success that I've experienced in the last five years. Yes. Yeah, I mean, if you love music, it's like, wow, finally a good radio station yeah. with no commercial. Yeah, it's you know, I mean, it's right. I mean, you you push in your favorite 
tune or your favorite album and then just let it ramble from there and boy that's that's been fantastic yeah talking rambling jeff i think we should stop You have been listening to the Darko Audio Podcast with me, John Darko, and Tone Audio's Jeff Dorgay.